Leicester calling for it. James can only fist it. It comes for Cantona! I don't believe it! Well left by York, fed by Cole. Back to Andy Cole for Dwight York. Fantastic goal for Manchester United. Can Manchester United score? They always score. Gates with a shot! Jimmy Williams and today on the show it's my privilege to say I'm joined by Irish boxer Michael Conlon. Before we start Michael I want to thank you for your time. Welcome to the podcast. No worries Jimmy. Um, you messaged me last week about coming on. Uh, it was just after I got injured. I was like no what fuck it let's do it. Uh, I don't mind I'll, be, I'll actually I'll be sitting over board next week so it'll, uh, mind off it. it'll keep my mind off and it'll give me something to do. I was doing my research for this and I was having a chat with a uh, a good friend of mine, Stephen Fennessy from Clamell, he's uh he's heavily involved in the boxing club. Yeah. He told me you fought in the Park Hotel against Paddy Barnes. What year was that? That wasn't too long ago, you know. I think it was around 2015, 2014. Um down like a for for the for the boys, obviously the Fennessys, you know, Big Martin and uh, and Kevin and Stephen obviously are are all uh well known in, in in the club and we, and we all know them so you know we were happy to kind of come down and put on a little show for them. I actually during lockdown, I got into my head that I was going to get fit, so I bought a boxing gloves, I bought yeah. a heavy bag, I bought a skipping rope. So if you ever need a sparring partner, just give me a call. <laughs> There's no hassle. That's true. You may actually have an advantage of them in on one leg, so you, know, you could actually win that fight there. I want to ask you about your childhood. Where did that initial interest from boxing come about? How did you get into that? Um, I'm going to say my dad. My, my dad always had us sitting watching boxing. He loved boxing. Um, obviously, done boxing at a, a lesser kind of level than me and my brothers. But, you know, a national level, really, when he, when he was a kid. So he always loved boxing, had the passion for boxing. And I remember sitting down watching the big fights and staying up late to watch the big fights with him. And, and the Olympic Games every time, every four years they were on, he used to sit us down and we used to watch the Olympic Games. So he was the kind of guy that got us into the sport. He loved it. He loved, you know, the typical kind of dad loves the, the little, you know, boys who are, are boys, boys, you know what I mean? Like little fighters and stuff. So... He was always training and having like we used to be messing about fighting all the time in the house, and he used to be refereeing. So, um, yeah, it was, it was probably him. Did you ever dabble in any other sports? Everything, everything. Um, see, he wasn't in the in, in the soccer GA or anything. He he obviously played when he was younger, but he wasn't really a big follower of it all. Um, whereas you know, I from West Belfast, so Celtic was kind of the first love, and everybody played football and uh and Gaelic obviously so I was playing Gaelic playing football but in the football I was always playing I was always a ringer like I was always playing for the, the younger age because I was two foot nothing so I was getting away with playing against the younger lads um I was never as I wasn't that good I was decent enough when I was young and then I kind of hit about 11 or 12 and the coach in the boxing club said to me You've got to make a serve about 11. He says, You have to make a choice here. You're going to be a boxer or football or, or hang. What, what one do you want to do? You have to make a choice because we need to hear all the time if you're going to be a boxer. So I says, uh, Well, I like punching people, so I'll stick with boxing. 
in terms of your sport inspirations growing up, who would they have been? You know what? So in, in boxing, in terms of boxing, it was always, you know, Prince Nassim, who I always watched. My whole house hated him. Typical Irish house, they don't like the cockiness or anything like that. They like the humble guy. But for some reason, I really enjoyed watching him. He was entertaining. They hated him. Uh, and maybe the fact that they hated him made me want to like him a bit more. I didn't like him as a person, but just his how he entertained the ring walks and stuff like that was just like, wow. And it's why I always try to have a big ring walk because I love that Nas kind of feel to it. Um, although I don't have the cocky attitude to match it. Uh, but Nas would have been, he would have been that kind of boxing sport idol. And obviously all the greats, Muhammad Ali, you know, when you used to see the videos of Demons and, you know, it used to be like, wow, it's unbelievable. But for me, it was it was Prince the same. Um and then just in, in sport in general, I don't know. Uh, it's like my, my, my older brother probably would have been you know, my only really sporting idol. I should mention for our Manchester United followers that Michael is a Manchester City fan. <laughs> Much to my yeah. disgust, I have to say. But, you know, we'll, we'll put that aside. Have you been following them recently? Um, as, as I've told you before, I'm not an avid football supporter. But if I support a team, it's Man City. And, and I'll tell you the reason behind this, right? So people are probably you're a glory hunter and all this here, all the money and all this. But I supported them when we were first division. It was Sean Goder and stuff. And the only reason was this, because like United won the season one, one year, Arsenal the next year, Chelsea the next year. And I was like, I supported United, then I supported Arsenal, I supported Chelsea. <laughs> and my mates were like, you're a glory hunter. What are you at? No, you're a glory hunter. You don't support anyone. What are you talking about? Let's I support Man City to first division. <laughs> and then I just stuck with it. So I was like, it's Man City. Now, after all that there, I still be called the glory hunter because how, how good the came and the money and everything involved. But um yeah, I'm still a supporter. I still go to you know, I've been in a few games now. Um but you know, I, I don't I, I if I'm gonna be hundred percent honest, I don't even watch sport. I don't. I think it's because I'm involved in it or something. I just don't watch sport. Probably because you're, you're so invested in it all the time. That's what it is. Oh, it's, it's, it's my life. It's, it's 24-7 for me. So when I have time to switch off, I don't want to watch another sport. I just want to get on with life. I want to ask you about sacrifices. Obviously, as a top-level boxer, you, know, you can't go to parties. You can't have many nights out. You can't really socialise. You know, your lifestyle choices have to be very regimented, I suppose. You can't live a normal life if you want to be a top athlete. But at what point did you recognize that needed to be the case? At what point did you think, okay, I need to make these sacrifices if I'm going to make the best of my boxing career? I think it was when I was about 17 or 18. Um, so when I was younger, I was always kind of, I ran a bit of not the best of courage. And I was always dabbling in there drinking drugs and fucking smoking weed, taking ease, all that stuff for a, a good t- a good long time. And then it was when I was like 16, I was going to Commonwealth Youth Games and I was told, you know, you get drug tested at these. Fucking shit myself. I went, fuck that. My dad ever found out I'd be dead. I would be an, a bloody embarrassed within the family. There's no way I can do that. So kind of just knocked it in the head then. Um, doing all that stuff so that was the first kind of realisation of what you <laughs> that what you have to be because there's rules and then you know I was still even even up until like 
after one bronze in the Olympics and stuff, I was going out in Dublin on an actual team. We were sneaking out, me and Paddy and stuff, the odd time, going out and having a drink. And uh, it's like, I was getting away with it because I was talented and I was young. But, you know, as, as more I've grew older and, uh, and realised, you know, this isn't just, you know, I'm with your sport, they're fun. This is, this is my life, it's my career, and it's my way of making money. It's, it's especially when I turned professional, it was like, you have to take every single box. So, you know, bro, I'm a, my own nutritionist, my own physio. Um, I don't, I used to drink like the odd time, no, off camp, not never in camp, I would never drink in camp as a professional ever. Um, but off camp, I would have had a few, a few drinks, not much. But now I don't even drink at all. I realized that there's no point. Um, for me to get the most out of my career, I've got to be like like to say, your body has to be a temple, um, and it is, you know, even more so in the last three year, two years, I would say, the the structure of the way I eat and and the way I live, my lifestyle, let's say, of you know, boxing, in terms of my diet and stuff, has even tightened up. Now it's when I went loose. I'm gonna be honest with being restricted of doing any exercise. My weights went up, but it's not even like a banking bar. It's like it just went up because I've been laying on my arse last week and a half. Um, it's, scary, it's scary how quickly I just put weight on, but no, I've been living a, a very good lifestyle over the last you know, four years as a pro. Even in the amateurs, the last few years in the amateurs, when I won the world title and stuff, I was just, I was very, very regimented. I've missed everything. I've missed Christmas, I've missed weddings. It's been like, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard at the time when you're missing it all, but you know, the sacrifices are going to be worth it. So you have to kind of just keep on pushing. Do people get frustrated with you when you're missing these events? Or obviously, you have to be selfish because you want to get the best out of your career. Yes. But do people ever get frustrated with you? Think they appreciate that? Listen, my, 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 my immediate family, my missus and stuff, they all, they all understand it. They have no problem with it. Uh, there was weddings in Portugal going all last year, and I felt more sorry for myself not being at these weddings. <laughs> but um, yeah, like you know, my cousins and stuff. You know, if I don't go to one of their weddings, I can tell like they they're not too happy. Just like it's not my fault. I'm in I'm in I'm in training camp. You know what I mean? It's, I think they don't really understand the sacrifices as much as my media family, just because my media family are very very involved. Like my father's one of the Irish national coaches my brother's a professional boxer and you know now a, a professional manager so um and then my they, my man my other two brothers they've just been involved in it for us so you know they all understand and and i don't think they hold any negative kind of feeling towards it because they know it is what it is and there's nothing they can do you mentioned in the intro your ankle injury and i saw the i saw your pictures on instagram obviously you've had to pull out of your December yeah. fight but that must have been such a blow for you oh, I was disgusted but you can't I can't sit here and, and dwell about it and, and get down about it because there's people down in the world you know I mean? <laughs> there's people there's people with no ankles there's people with no hands there's people with, with you know some serious serious injuries and you know and Korean injuries I'm, I'm very fortunate that this is only my ankle this isn't my hands this isn't my head which you know, you have to use even more so than both both hands, hands and legs. So, you know, if it was my hands, 
it would be a problem because you got to punch all the time. But it's my ankle and it's going to recover fully. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and dwell. I'm not, it's not like I'm in a position where I, I need to be kind of fighting because I'm struggling to live. I'm not. I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in a, a great position. Um, career-wise, uh, it's not really going to change anything. I'm, it's kind of just put a, a pause button on a year, which is already paused. So uh, I'm, I'm not... I'm not overly down about it now because I know everything happens for a reason. But at the time, I I, I knew as soon as it, as soon as it, it landed and it jerked in, I, I knew it was done. I just went, oh, I thought I actually thought it snapped the sound of it and how my body just felt that pain and adrenaline shooting through it. It was it wasn't nice. Obviously, you're 14 and all. I know the goal was to stop a world title fight next year, but are you convinced, absolutely convinced, that you'll be world champion? 100%. 100%. I, I don't doubt it at all. Um, I'm already world champion. I, I know the boxes were sneak ticked. I know that this fight, which was scheduled, is actually a harder fight than the world title fight, in my opinion. And, you know, I know that that would have set me up perfectly for a fight, you know, it's practically for a world title. But I believe it was already ready. I didn't even need to take a fight. So, you know, it's just it's just a matter of time for me. Um, you know, I've ticked every box so far. Everything is going in the right direction. I just need the chance now. I'm curious to ask, when you're preparing for a big fight, how much of your preparation is actually mental? All of it. All of your preparation is mental. You know, whether you know it or not, or whether you understand the mental preparation or not, is, is, is a different question. It's like them days in the gym where you're struggling to get through but you keep pushing, that's mental preparation. All these hard, hard sessions and hard sports, mental preparation. Obviously I do a lot of visualization and stuff, but that's that's not enough. That, I wouldn't even say that's uh, I'm gonna add that in. I'm on a day to day mental preparation is is crazy. You know like the the in the, in the gyms there's sessions where I just want to give up it's that hard but I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and tell myself oh, I'm great I can do this no problem it's easy it's easy and it's really hard but I'm just telling myself it's easy I'm pushing through it saying it's easy and I'm probably shouting out loud saying this is easy to push myself even more and to get me pushed even more um so that's all the little mental battles you have every day and mental preparation you have every day is just things like that. But I think visualization is very important. I always visualize myself, you know, and, and whoever the opponent is going to be, you know, in the ring of my hands being raised. And I try to play it how fights go. And sometimes it doesn't work, sometimes it does work. But, you know, um, it's always good to have them images in your head. I want to ask you about the Olympics in 2012, you know, the big defining moment of your career. How did life change for you after that? Slagle became a superstar overnight. It was crazy. Going out, <laughs> just free drinks, everybody knowing you. Um, kind of, it kind of blows your head a wee bit, you know what I mean? That thinks, um, in my opinion, it was it was fantastic. It changed my life. And obviously, you know, you get on there, sports funding and all. That's really good money. <laughs> so, um, it was it was unbelievable. I was, I I did become like a kind of household name in Ireland overnight, but the downside of it was 
2013, I'd barely trained for anything. And I was still winning, I still won the European silver medal and all, but like I barely trained. I was eating the drink and thinking I was bigger than what I actually was. So it was the first kind of lesson in that where you're not as good as what you believe you are and you're only as good as your last performance. So, you know, for me, I'm glad, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad I kind of reacted the way I reacted. But, um, yeah, I think it's. I think it was. It was unbelievable. You know, you're going you're going out in Dublin and just getting brought in the coppers and up into the VIP, but all all free. Everything was free. And it was just like this is unbelievable. So, yeah, it was special. My aunt, uh, my aunt lives in Dublin. She's Clamell originally, but she moved to Dublin about twenty years ago. And sometimes we go up to her, we go out, and she always says to me that if you can't get the shift, if you can't pull a girl in coppers, you have no hope in life. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So she's moved from Claw Mill to Living Coppers because you know that's the 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 tip ones love to do, isn't it? The Living Coppers. <laughs> How do you define success? Is it simply measured by the win, or is there a deeper meaning? Is it linked to the satisfaction that you know all your sacrifices are paying off? Or how I how I defense success. That's a very good question because I can sit here and say look at everything I've won that's success but it's not really I think it's how a person is how, how a person behaves um, what you're giving up what you're giving up but like my success is my family and everything that surrounds me you know what I mean I think you know, a lot of people are successful but they have nothing to show for it I have you know, a, a lot of things in life to show for it and, uh, and things are very, very proud of. But the little, little things they create in history and stuff, I think that 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 helps define success. Um, but I just, how happy I am in life. That's probably the best way to say it. I want to ask you about setbacks, the Olympics 2016. You know, we've, we've all seen the TV interview. I, I don't really need to into that too much, but given the fact that your Olympic dream was shattered, as you said at the time, did that make you more determined to come back from that, to work harder, to chase that world title even more? 100%. Uh, that's in everything. Um, you know, when you have something like that ripped away from you, and it's something you've trained for your whole life, which it was because, like I said, the Olympic Games was one of my first loves. It was one of the things my dad used to sit us down and let us watch. Um in terms of boxing, something I was on to be was a Olympic champion. When it was ripped away, it was just like, nah, I've got to go on, you know, achieve everything, which I thought that probably would have set me back from, but it actually set me up for even more, <laughs> um, which was the world titles as a professional and, and become Ireland's greatest ever boxer. That's my aim. Um, and that's a big, big, that's a big aim. But in my opinion, like, you just got to reach as high as possible. I think in life, you know, no matter what you're doing, you know, if you're in college, you know, if you're a manager of a business, if you want to do your best, I think an element of obsession is important. Do you think yeah. that an element of obsession is absolutely crucial to become a top athlete, to win those top prizes? An element, yes, but like, if you were to ask me, are you obsessed with boxing? I'd probably say no, but I'm as obsessed of me being the best I can be to... Beat everybody I can in boxing, yes. Um, so that that's my element of, of of obsession. It's not like in terms of 
loving the sport or anything like that. It's definitely about just trying to be better than everybody else and trying to make sure that I, I do everything I can to secure the victory. And that has to be in, in, in the preparation. You know, so I, I, I leave no stone unturned when I'm training. I train harder than anybody in the world. I think I push myself to the limits where I don't think I can go. And I just try to blast through them. So that's probably my obsession. That's that's my element of obsession. For me, uh, in my opinion at least, I think psychology and boxing go hand in hand. You know, It's one of the most mentally demanding sports there is. Sometimes it's not about your ability to fight. You know, you've been there. You might be losing a round, but you have to have that mental resilience to hang in there until the bell. At your level, everyone trains hard. At your level, everyone is talented. Yeah. At the high level of the sport, is the difference between the winner and the loser sometimes the man who has the more mental strength? Probably most of the time. The, 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 whether it's mental strength, mental quickness, mental smartness. Um, however... Boxing isn't just about being strong and being fast and being, you know, vicious. It's it's the mental game, like you said, as everybody says. It's like it's ninety percent mental, ten percent talent. You know what I mean, or ten percent skill, whatever it is. Um, and I believe that because you, know, you can defeat people just by how you look at them and how how you make them feel before a fight or how you make them feel during a fight and. And when they hit you with their best shot, if, you, if it does not affect you, that can break people. And that's what happens to a lot of guys. And that's at the top end of the sport. There are a little kind of percentages which you know can make the difference. When you're standing in the ring and you're standing in front of your opponent, can you sometimes, can you, can you see who doesn't fancy you sometimes? Ah, oh, oh, you can't. You can't, I think. But maybe at a lesser level, you can see that. But I think, you know, at the top, top level, you're probably not going to get that. That's, yeah. that's the top, top level of the sport. If you're at the top, top, top level of the sport, you're not going to be showing anything in there. You know what I mean? It's, it's the poker face and, and how you react. There's some people who look like they're, even in the lower end, there's some people who look like they're really up for it, but they're not. And as soon as they get hit, you can tell they're not ready for what's going to happen. Boxing's a bit like acting. They're all different, you know, characters, but you no, know, you kind of figure out who they are by the end of it. So, um, yeah, you have to have that poker face, and uh, and even if even if you don't believe it, you have to make yourself believe it. I've spoke to a number of sports people, and they they've often said to me that I find this really interesting. They've said that the enjoyment of winning is very brief because as soon as it's over. You know they're onto their next target. They're already looking forward to what can they do next? What can they win next? Who's yeah. next to beat? There's that there's that fear in them. Yeah. To not rest on their laurels. Is that fair to say? Is the enjoyment very uh, brief? If I'm honest, it is. But the last I think the last few fights now I've tried just to maybe as we got older I've tried just to like sit back and think you know what I've just done, what I've just achieved soak up the victory and, and, and enjoy it because I think for the first two years of my pro career I didn't enjoy one bit it was just like fight win right what's next fight win what's next fight win what's next I was I didn't sit there and enjoy and go through what I just went through and I kept looking back on it now like Matt Macklin was looking after me at the start and he was telling me he said you need to sit and try and enjoy it but I was just like uh, but I was fighting so often I couldn't um, 
fought five times in the first year, so it was like we were, as soon as the fight was done, we were straight back in the training again. When it was, there was no really time to think. But now I, I'm tr- I am enjoying each win more and more and more. And the people are right though. Like as soon as the win is done, what's the first thing the commentator asked you in the ring, or the, or the guy asked you in the ring after the fight? So what's next? Let me fucking enjoy it. That's it. I said a few times now. I think after I'm just gonna enjoy this one because. There's no point to think too far ahead. Live in the moment, be present, and enjoy what you've just achieved. And and that's kind of been my approach over the last three to four fights. Psychologically, how stressful is trying to make the weight? Do you do that quite easily, or does it stress you out? It's always stressful. It's always stressful. And obviously, I'm moving down with so, like I was. This is this is probably what's annoyed me the most about this fight being cancelled. Is I was on point to make weight piss easy for this fight and I was only moving down to so I was making it easier than what it would make the weight above usually and at the same time it's not easy it's not it's never easy the body having to cut so much weight and you know get down there and and be at a weight which isn't kind of natural to it and you feel you feel small and you feel weak but as soon as, soon as you drink up water and you're rehydrated and refueled you feel like an absolute animal um uh, but it's 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 always stressful. I remember in the amateurs. The amateurs was was worse for me. I never done it correctly. And the amateurs as a pro, I've done it correctly most of the time. Um, without having many of these slip ups here and there. But as an amateur, I lived in a sweatsuit, trying to make fifty two kilos for the twenty twelve Olympics, which I made. But I was just I was done. I was five foot seven, making you know eight stone three or something so it's crazy um it was always always very very tough in the amateurs because i just i, I never listened to what the nutritionists were telling me i didn't believe what they were saying would work um and plus i didn't have if i'm honest i didn't have the the dedication to kind of be doing it the right man to be doing it. i was always eating some chocolate or always doing something which you know eating, eating some type of shit which i shouldn't have been eating so I'm a sucker for sweet food, and uh, and that was that was always kind of going to get me in trouble. I read recently that Stephen Gerrard and Michael Owen said that the the most worrying part or the most stressful part of penalty shootouts is the weight. So before they go up to take the penalty, because they're going into their own head, they're thinking what side will they go to. They're probably changing their mind, they're questioning their technique. Can you explain that part of the fight to me? The weight where you're waiting in your locker room to go out and fight. How do you manage that weight? To remain present, focused, it's positive. A, it's not the locker room. It's not the locker room that gets me. It's it's the day of the fight. It gets to about twelve o'clock in the day, and I'm saying to myself, I just want to wake up and this to be done. I fucking can't be in all this shit. This is too long. I hate waiting around, and it is. Listen, boxers roll up his head. No, I don't get nervous. No, it's here. I shake myself. It's there's no doubt. No, it's the scariest thing in the world. You're going to do something which is unnatural to the human body, which is to battle another man. You know, fight, kind of, and maybe the way the body takes it, you're probably going to fight to the death, you know what I mean? Depending on the kind of mindset you have. So, you know, you're going in there and you're, and really you're putting your life on the line every time you step into the ring. And what right anybody says, and go, oh, but sure, not many people die, but the many injuries and brain injuries and all happen in the sport. 
it's a scary, scary world, and people don't really see that side of it. But waiting about, <laughs> knowing you're gonna have to go in and do that shit, that's oh, tough. But as soon as I'm in the in the dressing room and stuff, I'm ready to go then. It's like no, it's it's there. We're, we're here now. It's it's gonna happen. It's inevitable. So I'm not worried. Let's go. Um, and then when I'm in the ring, standing face to face, everything is gone. I'm just I'm ready. What's a typical fight day for you? I mean, how do you pass that time? Up in the morning, I'll have kind of two breakfasts. I'll have uh, you know, eggs with sardo and stuff like that there. And then I'll have like fresh yogurt and granola. And then we'll go out and walk down there about the place, you know, get a bit of fresh air, stretch a little bit. Um, back, have lunch about one o'clock, um, which will probably just be rice and chicken. And then same again, walk about, stretch about, maybe lie down about the after chill out just um actually the last day i was just playing call of duty the whole day so because we we're in quarantine weren't we? so i wasn't able to kind of move about as much and then i'd eat my dinner about five o'clock and probably be in the ring at about eight or nine or nine or ten sorry um it's easy it's it's long but it's easy it just feels long because you are consistently waiting a whole time but i'm honest the last time was easy enough because cause you do just take my mind off everything a big question on this podcast something that i ask everyone i love all the different answers that i get what do you think are some of the most crucial aspects of achieving elite sport and performance oh, belief you need to believe if you don't believe you're never going to achieve and that's the truth if you don't believe you're you're good enough you're not good enough you need to believe in yourself 100 percent and even if you don't believe in yourself, you need to make yourself believe in yourself and just tell yourself you believe. Just keep repeating the, the, the words you need to hear in your head. Um, belief and confidence is half the battle. If you have that, and you're not as skilled as half the guys, but you believe you're better and you're, you're more skilled than them, you, can, you, probably, you probably will be in the end of the day. So um, I definitely think that's, uh, that's definitely a huge part of it, to be, to be one of the best. You need to believe in it. There's a quote that I love. I think it links to what you said about belief there is that will will beat skill. I think that's applicable in any walk of life. Yeah. If you tell yourself you're no good and if you tell yourself enough times, you'll start to believe it. But if you keep telling yourself you're the best, you'll start to believe it. 100%. 100%. I believe in every, everything. Like speaking things in the existence, whether it's negative or whether it's positive, if you keep speaking them, they become true. So uh, it's something after I read kind of secret and stuff, which I believe is a very, very good book um, for anybody in sport and for anybody just in life in general. Um, it really, I think it's, it's really helped me in that kind of sense of, you know, believing in yourself and speaking things in the existence. It just makes everything so much easier. You've mentioned in the past that you want to get out of boxing in your early 30s, that you don't yeah. want to be in the game for a long time. When it's all said and done, when you hang up your gloves, what do you want to be remembered for? I don't care. If you ask, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I don't care what I'm remembered for. I just care that me and my family are secure in life and I'm happy. Because everything else doesn't matter. People can remember you, but you know, in a hundred years' time, they're not going to know who I am. They're not going to know who most people are in a hundred years' time. You know what I mean? So, this generation or the next, the the a hundred years' time, probably this generation won't be here and. No one will know who we were. You know what I mean? It's 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 like we're in terms of time and and the universe, we're like not even a blip. We're like a 
sett men jag sig läsna blank av av time så when it comes down the history and memory and all there remember remember me for whatever you want remember me as long as I'm happy and uh, and my family and me are secure and living a nice life I do not care I think it all goes back to what you mentioned earlier about being content in life that's the most important thing definitely 100% back at again say because what's the point if like you're chasing things like history and know what I want to be remembered for and current what not not in chasing history just current from what others think you know what's the point of current what other people think of which is it's not it's not a good way to live if you're happy in your own skin and happy with everything you've done yourself you know who cares what anybody else thinks if you're happy with your family around you and your family are happy with you who cares because they're the people that matter there's only a small number of people in in the world that are in your life that ever want to matter and now, if they're upset, then they're kind of down with things you can, you can think about it then. But you know, I don't think it's it's something I'd worry about. Final question: I want to thank you for your time again. I, I really appreciate it. If you had thirty minutes to spend on a bench with someone to have a conversation, this can be a person that's dead or alive, can be a musician, yeah. an artist, an athlete, anyone. If you had thirty minutes to have a conversation with someone, who would it be and why? Interesting question. Um. <sighs> I can't hop there. <laughs> For some reason, I want to say Roy Keane. I just want to see how how he would be as a person away from camera. Um, as interesting kind of sport, not not, not particularly football. Yeah. I love his attitude towards it. I love how he's like, you know, he just he just wants to work hard and do his fucking job, and that's where you're meant to be. I mean, if if you're getting paid to get in the ring and punch someone, get in the ring and fucking punch someone. If you're getting paid to play football and, uh, and defend your team and try to make your team win, get in and do that. So, um, I, I don't for some reason I'm saying him. Thanks very much. You're a great sport. No worries. I really appreciate it. Do mom, I appreciate it. All the best. Speak soon. Speak soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to Red Devil Talk. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode and don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Red Devil Talk. If you listen on an Apple device, please consider leaving a review and a five-star rating. If you have any questions or comments or want more information on Red Devil Talk podcasts, you can get in touch via email at reddevilTalkMedia at gmail.com. The Red Devil Talk podcasts are a Red Devil Talk Media production.